Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. times Jesus said Peter do you agape me on the last time Jesus comes down down to Peter's level and he said okay Peter do you phileo me and he said to him I phileo you and Jesus said feed my sheep I think it's interesting that God is not unattainable. God will meet you. He will meet me where we're at. I like that about God. That doesn't mean God wants me to stay there because as we get into the gospel and really as we look in the book of Peter, first and second Peter, you'll find that Peter finally came up to that agape level in his relationship with Jesus. But God will meet us where we're at. And that's something I always love about the Lord. He'll find you. He'll meet you where you're at because he loves you. Now, we find here, most assuredly, verse 18, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself, walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And he, when he had said, spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now, a couple of things here. Peter, we find in Fox's Book of Martyrs, went to Rome and was crucified upside down. He said he wasn't worthy to die the way his own Lord did. So we find that this is an interesting thing. He said, when you were younger, you did what you wanted. But when you get older, because of my relationship with you, there's going to be people taking you where you don't want to go. Now, I know this doesn't fit today, generally, in a me-oriented church society. You want to have Jesus in your pocket, climb to the top, and you're going to get everything you want and everything like this. But that's really, friends, not the gospel. That's, that's, a, that's a social misnomer that has been taught in the name of Jesus is not really true. In fact, we find that when we come to Christ, sometimes it does cost us our life. It might cost you your marriage. It might cost you your relationship with your kids. It might cost you your job. Why is that? Because the way of this world is contrary to the spirit of Christ. And so when we understand that, we have to then, we have to simply come to Christ just as I am, as the old song go, without one plea. That's the way we come to God. It isn't that, God, I'm going to come to you as long as you're my, my jack-in-the-box Jesus where I just turn the crank and out pops God and gives me whatever I want. Now, I'd like to be able to tell you that, and I know a lot of people will, but I can't because I've read the book. When you read the book, you realize, as Jesus is saying to Peter, when you were younger, you did whatever you wanted. When you get older in me, now you're going to be carried away and you're going to go where you don't want to go. Why is that? Well, I find a lot of times, friends, 
when we give our life to Christ, God has us do things that takes us out of our comfort zone. I like my comfort zone. I like everything cushy. I like well, I, 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 I just kind of like familiarity. And I like just where it's at. And God goes, you get too comfy that way. You get too settled in that way. You're not relying on me anymore. You're relying upon the, on the system, on the scheme of things. So God comes along and removes us from that. Now, we get upset with God sometimes because we think, well, God, if you love me, why am I going through these changes in my life? And God says, so you'll trust me. You know, I found that I'm a lot more alert when I have to be than when I don't want to be. Isn't it funny that you can walk out in your yard a million times and not even give it a second thought until two in the morning you hear some noise outside your window and you get out and you walk out in your front yard just as you did before, but you're sitting there with the flashlight shaking because you're scared. It's funny sometimes that when we are pressed, we can come up to the issue. Where when we're not pressed, we can just stay in the doldrums. Well, God does that. And so he tells him how he would die. And notice this, he said to him, follow me. I I think the command of Christ, the restoration of Peter. Isn't that amazing? He didn't sign a pledge card. He didn't get grilled with a hundred questions. He didn't come under the scrutiny of a board of directors or a board of elders. It was simply just follow me. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. How much simpler can it be? You know, it tells us here. Peter was grieved going back to verse 17 because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Why was he grieved? Well, because Peter realized that He denied the Lord three times. Now Jesus is asking him three times, do you love him? I think that grieved Peter. Maybe because of what the other disciples knew what he did. Maybe because he came to the realization of his own failures, that he'd made some pretty bold statements earlier. He said, Lord, I'm willing to go to the cross and die with you. And that's when Jesus said, before the cock crows, you'll deny you know me three times. It's funny how we can have a a wrong perception of ourselves. So Peter was grieved. I don't think he was grieved at Jesus. I think he was just grieved that he had to answer the question. You ever been grieved to answer a question? I have. Like when a cop comes up and says, do you have any idea how fast you were going? Uh, I mean, 50 to 35, I mean, uh, I don't know. We don't even answer it. Why is that? Because we're grieved. Sometimes in the confession of what we say, we condemn ourselves. I think Peter here was, was sweating it, man. I think he realized that he had, had denied the Lord. Now Jesus is asking him three times, do you love me? Do you agape me? Do you phileo me? And Jesus keeps coming back with the same response. And feed my lambs, feed my sheep, tend my sheep. And he said, follow me. Well, you know, follow me has a lot to say. We remember Matthew Levi. He was a sellout. He was a Jewish person that became a tax collector. Tax collectors were liked as much then as they are now. (laughs) Not much. And we remember Jesus comes up to him and he looks at Matthew Levi sitting at the receipt of custom in the gate of the city. And he just looked at him and said, 
follow me. Now, the Bible says that Matthew just got up and walked off his job. There was no two-week notice. He just left and went with Jesus. Follow me. It's so simple. And yet, sometimes people make it so hard. Then Peter, turning around and seeing whom the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, following who had also leaned on his breast at the Last Supper and said to him, Lord, who is it, the one that betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? So Peter, looking at John, says, what about him? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he would remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Oh, friends, this is, this is really directive here. Because I have found in my life a couple things. One, you can look around at what everybody else is doing somehow in self-justification. Well, I'm doing more than they are, so I guess I'm cool. Or I can look around and say, look what they're doing. I'm not doing enough. Or, and all of a sudden, I can have my priorities all over the place. Here he says, you follow me. It doesn't matter, Peter, about John. Your commitment is you follow me. And the reason why that is, friends, is because God has an individual call on every one of us, different than somebody else. I think one of the greatest mistakes people, pastors, churches do today is they look around and they see what is everybody else doing and then that's what we'll do. What is everybody else doing? That's what I'll do. Rather than spending time alone with your God, because you're an individual, no one's ever been like you on this earth ever before. No one will ever be like you on this earth ever again. And saying, God, what do you want me to do for you? God will have you do things that, friends, people won't believe. In fact, God will have you do things that you won't believe. Well, why is that? God's got big plans for you. Big plans. We're the ones that put God in a box, not God. You got a God that made everything. God can fix anything. And because of that, all God has called you and me to do is trust him. Now, trusting God, that sounds simple when we're sitting in church on a Sunday morning and it's pretty nice and it's uh, air conditioned or heated or whatever. It's nice. But when we're really under the gun, that's when it's hard. And friends, there has been many things in my life where I have to just simply did what Peter said to do, casting all your cares on him. He cares for you. I always have to go back to that. Because if I start worrying about it, worry doesn't do anything anyway. So what has God called us to do? Trust him. Have faith in him. Don't look at everybody else and say what God's doing in there. Well, God, you know, if you love me as much as that person over there, then I'd have this going on in my life. No, 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 no. That's what he's saying. Peter, if I, leave, if I leave John here till I come back, what's that to you? You follow me. It was this saying, verse 23, that went out among the brethren that this disciple of John, this disciple John, would not die 
Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but if I, were, if, if I will that he remains till I come, what's that to you? In other words, it's really weird. They took this, this thing that Jesus said to Peter and they built a theology upon it, wrongly so. That's, uh, this is probably one of the first instances of goofy things being said um, after Jesus rose from the dead. Now, verse 24 tells us some interesting things. This is the disciple who testifies of these things and wrote these things that we know that his testimony is true. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Amen. What do we find here? We find that this is a complete book, but yet an incomplete book. There's a lot more things Jesus did, John tells us, that he did that weren't recorded in the Bible. Why is that? We got a God that goes far beyond printed paper. That printed paper can only record so many things. But what God has for you and me goes beyond the stars. This morning, have you done something in your life that has beat you up? Maybe a failure that you thought you weren't capable of doing. And you think, well, if God really loved me, uh, I would never have had that happen. Or God would never have me back because this did happen. You know, Peter did a pretty serious thing. He denied the Lord. Cussed and swore he didn't know him. And yet when Jesus caught up with him on the Sea of Galilee, he just simply asked him three times, do you love me? Are you fond of me? And Jesus didn't give him a thousand-word essay that he had to complete in order to feed his sheep or to tend his sheep. He just said, do it. And that would be the message for all of us today. Just do it. Do what God's called you to do. Don't worry about the past. You can't do anything about what happened yesterday. But what you do have is right now and the rest of your life in Christ. Do those things. Let God heal you. Let God rebuild you. He's the master builder. He's, you know, it's one thing when somebody else restores somebody else. But when you realize God made you and he's the one that desires to restore you, friends, that's a good thing. In fact, anybody that restores old cars, you always know if you can get OEM parts, original equipment manufacturer parts, that's going to be the best way to fix it because they're going to fit right. You have an OEM manufacturer that wants to rebuild you using God-made parts. I like that. Isn't that good to know that you are not abandoned? And it doesn't matter what you did in your past. The Bible says God has forgiven you. The question today is simple. Do you love me? That's the question that God would ask every one of us. And you can say, Lord, I want to do anything I can do for you. You might say, well, Lord, you know I'm fond of you. God will say, okay, I'll meet you there. Or you might say, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And when we do that, we find the command that goes forth from our God and King saying, feed my lambs, tend my sheep. You're going to be around people all week. People here on staff, myself, we'll never see. But you know, there are a lot of lost, broken people out there. And I just want to encourage you, be one of God's restorative hands that are out there. You see, what God's done for others, he'll do for you. And what God has done for you, he'll do for others.
See, they don't have an answer. They may have religion. They may be the top of the class in their religious order. But that doesn't mean they have any peace. That doesn't mean that they have any restoration going on in their life. I want to just invite you today to let God, first of all, bless you and heal you. And once he's touched you, then we can go out and touch others. You know, we remember when Jesus crossed over on the Sea of Galilee, came to Gadara. There, the Bible tells us there was a demon-possessed guy. And um, through several conversations, the devils end up going into the pigs. The pigs ran off the cliff. And the Bible tells us this man was in his right mind. And the man came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, you stay here and you tell everyone you know what God has done for you. You know, we bloom where we're planted. And I just want to encourage you today that if you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ, you've got a God in heaven that wants to begin to restore, rebuild, and heal you. You say, well, why hasn't he already done it? Good question. Have you given him permission? You know, the Bible says, I stand at the door and knock. I like that. It doesn't say I stand at the door and kick it off its hinges. Behold, I stand at the door and I get one of them battering ram things and just knock it down. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And he waits for our response. God is always the initiator, friends. But then he waits for us to respond. We open the door, we give him permission, and he comes in and begins his restoration in our life. It begins with a prayer, God will restore you your whole life. You know, I found this too. There's never been a point in my life that I don't need God's restorative hand working in my life. Sometimes we think, well, you know, God forgave me of all the things I did wrong when I accepted Christ as my Savior. Hey, listen, I still need God's forgiveness, work in my life, correct my vision, help me see life through your perspective, God. Otherwise, I can believe a lie. I can believe the lie of what you see is what you get. I can believe the lie of, of he with the most toys when he wins dies and leaves it all to somebody else. You see, the world's philosophy is fatally flawed. But what Jesus offers you is eternal life. The Bible says, have you had enough? Have you tried to define life your way long enough? Doesn't work, does it? Anybody that I've known that ever tried to define life their way is unhappy. Why? You were designed for a higher calling than to live it your way. You were designed by God to live it his way. Anything you do less is going to be a cheap, meaningless experience. It may offer a thrill for a minute, but it's going to fade. Only what you do for God is going to give you the satisfaction that you need. Well, the Bible says, if we'll repent, okay, God, I'm sorry. Turn, change the way you think about it. From now on, I want you, God, to decipher my life what you want it to be. That's repentance. And then say, okay, God, from now on, I want to do it your way. You know, the Bible says, the Bible says we pass from death unto life. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, we're going to pray. And you can ask God into your life. He'll do as you ask. And you, some people have told me, well, I don't even know how to pray. I remember when my mom and dad, who were raised in church, they got away from the Lord and 
my sister got real sick and she was in the hospital. And the doctor come in and looked at my mom and said, lady, if you know a prayer, you better say it. My sister was near death. My mom told me, she said, you know, I was so distant from God, I didn't even know how to pray anymore. So she said, I just cried out, God, help me. And God did. My sister didn't die. And I think it's interesting that God will take us where we're at. Are you willing to come to him today? If you need prayer, if you need to get right with God, repeat this and God will do as you ask. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And just as it was with Peter, Lord, I want to say today I love you. And I ask you to make me the best I can be for you. I repent of the foolish way that I've lived in some way to make my life mean something. And so now I commit my life to you. I want to follow you. So I ask you now, forgive my sins. Write my name in your book of life that I can spend eternity with you and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.